I'm Matt White, and this is Fodder, the food and drink podcast for Greater Manchester. This week, we're talking all things seafood. Well, not all things. There's lots of seafood, isn't there? But we'll talk some things. We're talking something seafood. And that includes oysters and how they can apparently give you a buzz. It just makes you want to dance around for a little bit after you've eaten an oyster. We'll also hear from one food critic who wishes Manchester had a more diverse seafood menu. Sea bass. Sea bass. Bloody sea bass. And I go to one of Manchester's largest fish markets at 4am, convinced that that's mega early. Uh, four o'clock's a bit late for us, to be honest, Matt. Oh, my God. We usually start about two o'clock, to be fair. All right, mate. It was early for me. Now, shortly, we're going to hear from a local guy that produces award-winning fish and chips. But first, I wanted to speak to the people responsible for the award itself. Seafish are a company that run the National Fish and Chip Awards, and their mission is to support a profitable, sustainable and socially responsible future for the seafood industry. The only bummer is that they're based up in Edinburgh. So, should I splash out on a first-class train ticket, or should I give them a call? Good morning, Andy Gray speaking. This is Andy Gray. He's one of the main men at Seafood and he reckons we need to start eating more fish. Not necessarily in quantity, but certainly in different varieties. In the UK, we are quite hung up on enjoying uh, five main species, cod, haddock, salmon, tuna uh, and prawns. And while there's nothing wrong with enjoying those, on every day of the year... Not always in one place, but collectively through fishmongers, through supermarkets, through restaurants, cafes, bistros, fish and chip shops, we can avail ourselves of over a hundred different species of fish and shellfish. So it really is a fantastic choice. It's out there and it's incumbent on the seafood industry, whether that be fishmongers, retailers, restaurants. We need to uh, make sure that we're offering customers a wider choice and then obviously encouraging those customers to try something different, try a different flavour, different texture, something out there to suit everyone. Andy, do you know what? I've been trying, my mum, and I think my mum kind of speaks for a whole raft of people in the UK. My mum claims that she doesn't like fish unless it is deep fried in batter and served wrapped in paper with chips. And there's nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Interestingly, when we eat fish out of home in the UK, so when we're out into uh, restaurants and we're not cooking at home, fried fish, invariably in the form of fish and chips, mm. actually accounts for nearly 40% of what we consume in the UK when 40. we eat out of home. Wow, wow. Uh, and I think that's often the case that consumers forget about the scale and size of our fish and chip industry in the UK. We all probably know of our local fish and chip shop, but we often forget that if you replicate that or multiply that up with uh, all the shops around the UK. We have about 11,000 fish and chip shops in the UK and there are fish and chips obviously available in other uh, forms that we go to restaurants now, pubs. You maybe travel on a ferry between uh, the UK and Ireland. Fish and chips will be on the menu when you're having a meal on board. So fish and chips omnipresent and I think we often forget the scale and size of the industry. A very important uh, part of the UK seafood industry. I, I never see it as being particularly healthy, though, if I have a, a fish and chips. Like you say, we should really strive to have two portions of fish a week. But if it's being deep fried, I always think I'm kind of counterbalancing that healthy aspect. Well, no. If eaten as part of uh, a balanced, controlled diet, fish and chips, perfectly acceptable. 
again, it's a great source, the fish, uh, of protein. Uh, it's a fairly simple and unadulterated meal, which we often can't say much about some of our other foods that we eat nowadays. So it's fish, it's a flour for the batter, potatoes for the chips, a cooking medium for uh, an oil or a fat for the cooking medium. And interestingly, while the fish is technically being deep fried, it's been cooked at temperatures that we don't ever really replicate when we cook at home. So these uh, ranges in a fish and chip shop, very high efficiency, very effective at cooking. And what it's doing is actually it's sealing the fish in the, the batter. And in essence, the fish is being steamed. You can eat the batter. That's perfectly fine. If you don't want to eat the batter, you're in essence eating some chipped potatoes and some steamed fish. Uh, the fish full of lots of essential minerals, nutrients, uh, the potatoes for some carbohydrate. We all need uh, some fat in our uh, diet anyway on a daily basis. Uh, so it's eaten as part of a controlled diet in moderation, fish and chips, perfectly uh, uh, acceptable meal. And of course, I've eaten with a side portion of mushy peas. It's one better. of your five. One of your five a day, <laughs> indeed. So, come on, let's eat more fish and chips. And if you're looking for some of the best fish and chips in Greater Manchester, I know just the place. No pun intended. It's the Hip Hop Chip Shop, and this is hip hop, I'm told. Someone, oh, I've got it off a mate, someone said it was hip hop. It sounds a bit hip hoppy. Uh, you will find the Hip Hop Chip Shop based in the Northern Quarter in the bar Cosmonaut. You can also find them in their cool mobile van down at the Media City, knocking out, and I quote, untraditional fish and chips inspired by the inventive and experimental ethos of hip-hop culture. Oh, I'm tempted to start rapping this. I, hip, I, I won't, don't worry. So, let's hear about the award-winning hip-hop chip shop from owner Ozzy, who begins naturally by explaining how they got their name. It's honestly just rhyming words that got completely out of hand. Um, <laughs> it was in about 2010 where I thought of the name hip-hop chip shop and uh, sort of looked around on the internet, no one had done it, so I... Um, Unbelievably, so, no one had already done it, yeah, it seems well, so obvious. Well, so what I later found out was uh, there was a satirical rock band from Birkenhead called Half Man, Half Biscuit. Uh, I know Half Man, Half Biscuit. Yeah. In, one of their, um, in one of their songs, apparently, uh, they say it's a dot-com sitcom about a hip-hop chip shop, so that apparently had been coined before. Ah. So occasionally some half-man, half-biscuit fans come out the woodwork and go, hey, have you? is this a dot-com sitcom? So uh, I've not actually had any direct contact with them yet, though. That'd be nice. Yeah, man, I'm getting to endorse it. Yeah. Get to write a song for you, a jingle. It's already been written. It's already done. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. It's just got to get permission to use it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. OK, so that's where the hip-hop comes from. And are you a, a lover of hip-hop anyway? Yeah, I mean, if we just set up a fish and chip shop, we'd be playing hip-hop music anyway. You know, that's... It's just a... It's a it's good that they rhyme, basically. Yeah, it's quite odd that these rhyming words are suddenly now like putting food on our table as well as others. <laughs> yeah, um, and you're easy to spot as well because if, if someone hasn't seen your trailer before, it's it's done up so it looks like an '80s style boombox. It is, yeah. So uh, when we came up with the idea, I um, I approached a local Manchester artist called Stanley Chow. And I noticed on one of his pictures that he had a picture of Eminem and in the background there was a boombox. So I, it was like a cold call, basically. I got in touch with him and he's like a world-renowned artist. Yeah. Um, and I was like, this may sound odd, but do you fancy meeting for a pint? And then I'll tell you about my idea. And funnily enough, he'd actually grew up in a chip shop. 
No. So did and he's a and he was a DJ as well, so he was a big fan of music. So for him to kind of get on board, so he designed our catering tray, like, and it, yeah, the, the fact of his history with fish and chips, and he was a DJ, it just worked so it seamlessly. And now, and now you know we can classify him as a friend. He's a he's a good mate of ours. So okay, so there's the hip hop aspects. Now, what about the chip shop aspect? Why, of all the foods you could have got into, why fish and chips? Well, it's a sort of national British institution, fish and chips. It's what uh, sort of people hold very dearly to have a, a chip shop. Their local chip shop sort of evokes a lot of nostalgia, sort of waiting in the line, in the olden days anyway, wrapping it up in newspaper and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I mean, why, why not? It's one of those things. It's not died out since it started all those many, many years ago. So we kind of feel that there's, there's always going to be a demand for good quality fish and chips. Is, is there still as much demand, though? I mean, it hasn't died out. You're right, but it, it's not as popular as it once was, is it? Because there's more choice of street food and takeaways now. Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd say that it's, quite, it's still quite competitive. But, I mean, we sort of... We don't really see demand falling as such because we we have the mobile side of Kate. We go where the demand is, so we can go to events. We've go to events and been to weddings in Scotland. We know we've gone down to sort of near Bristol for events. So we don't really kind of we're not really hit by sort of changes in demand because we go where people want us. Um, you know the little bits of batter that float around in the oil when you finish with the fish. What do you call it? Scraps. See, where I come from, we call it scratchings, ah, okay. which would have worked perfectly for the hip-hop chip shop, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. But as you call it scraps, it doesn't really work, does it? Oh, this is the MTV Raps, you could call it MTV Scraps. That used to be a, a programme on MTV. Yeah, I remember yeah, MTV yeah, Raps. Yeah, so we could have done that. <laughs> See, I'm a sucker for a pun. I just be spending... And do you find yourself coming up with dishes just because you've got a good name? That mostly happens. <laughs> <laughs> so we come up with a name and then go, right, what food can we put underneath it? And that's how the business started, you know. The business started by coming up with a brand name and then from that brand name we built the business around it, whereas usually it's the good idea and you build a brand around it. So we kind of did it the opposite way, really. And do you think this country, or well, let's say Manchester, but the UK in general, do you think we need to know more about fish? Because there is a statistic that we only use like five major types of seafood when there's you know hundreds out there yeah i mean it's one of those things like people are stuck within the boundaries of tradition a lot of the time when it comes to food and fish especially um you know we we get a lot of people still the more of the traditional folk out there would just say can i have cod can i have haddock you know i don't want anything else and we use like sustainably caught coley same family as cod and haddock but sometimes people are kind of like, oh, oh, I don't, oh, I'm not, I can't have that, I can't have this, because it's just people have grown up with it and they just they can't really understand that there's other delicious, tasty fish out there. Um, so maybe getting a little bit experimental now and again will will help. For more information, go to hiphopchipshop.com. I was convinced I was going to say shit then. So Ozzy there suggested we get a little bit more experimental. How about a slice of beaver tail? time of Queen Elizabeth, her royal advisor, Sir William Cecil, came up with subtry laws. Many of the laws in Queen Elizabeth's time were involving food and how you dressed. So, certain days with certain types of eating. Wednesdays, Fridays and Saturdays, you had to eat fish. 
You were not allowed to eat meat. There by were no law? Dis- by law, they were fasting days. The reason for this was you were supporting the fishermen and the fishermen also doubled up as the navy. Ah, okay. So you were supporting the Queen, supporting your country by eating fish. And luckily for Otsal Hall, they have the River Irwell. So salmon, trout, eels, plenty of food coming from the River Irwell. And probably otters and beavers' tails. No. Indeed. That, that um, was classed as, as seafood, otters and beavers. Well, not seafood, just fish food. Because otters and beavers live in wet environments in the rivers, so they saw them as fish. So beavers' tails one of the delicacies you could have because technically you weren't eating meat, you were eating a fish. I had beaver tail once, although it tasted cold to me because I thought it would be otter. Doesn't really work that, does it? Many thanks, by the way, to Lauren Gradwell for that. She's from Audsall Hall. And there will be more Audsall Hall in a future podcast looking at their awesome Tudor kitchen. If you haven't been down there to have a look, go and check it out. Now, not as experimental as Otter Tail, but for some it may be just as daring. Oysters. Yeah, I'm a massive fan and there is no one better in Manchester to talk about them than Lou and Hannah from Holy Crab. Now, Holy Crab are doing great things with seafood at a market near you. Details of that in a minute. But first, let's get their take on oyster etiquette and just what is the best way to eat them. They should 100% chew them. Chew, chew, chew. Chew, 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 is that the motto? Chew, chew, chew is definitely our motto. Why do you think people do just want to swallow them whole, though? It's just what they've been told to do, I guess. Or they just want to get rid of it, they don't want to eat it. They're scared of the texture, maybe. The texture for me isn't too dissimilar to a mussel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's people chew like muscle. chew mussels, don't they? They don't just yeah. swallow them whole. I think you're missing out if you don't chew them. That's what we've learned anyway. In fact, I think we've always chewed them from day yeah, one. Sip all the juice and then chew, chew, chew. Yeah. <laughs> the juice, yeah, like, is very important. That's Why is the juice important? You said this to me earlier. Because it tastes delicious. It's like kissing the ocean. You work with them on an almost daily basis. We do. Does that not put you off? No, not at all. I mean, I suppose we have our moments where we're not in the mood, but then we have one and we get our little oyster buzz and we're happy. Describe the oyster buzz. It just makes you want to dance around for a little bit after you've eaten an oyster. It's kind of like if you just had a little shot of tequila or an espresso. Exactly like that, yeah. Now, I've never eaten an oyster uh, cooked or grilled. I've only ever had them raw. Well, we do some really good cooked ones. Um, We've wrapped them in bacon and cooked them, grilled them. We've, Hannah does this amazing Marmite, well, love them or hate it. Marmite? Marmite cream sauce, yeah. Talk me through this. And then poach them in in the sauce. It's incredible. So what about raw, though? What's what's the most popular way you serve them? Well, I think the most popular way for people who love oysters is with shallot vinegar and a dash of Tabasco, I would say. Yeah, it's just natural. Squeeze a lemon. People love that. But we make a lot of our own toppers. We started with Bloody Mary's. That's now become Bloody Mary hot sauce. Um, we've been fermenting uh, chilies to make that. And we do gin and tonic. The other thing that people think about when they think about oysters is, of course, the aphrodisical. Oh, yes. Is that a word, aphrodisical? It could be. But as an, an aphrodisiac, yeah. um, you eat a lot. Mm-hmm. So you must know. Uh, like we mentioned, we, you get a buzz. There's no <laughs> question. <laughs> we have a little dancing buzz around aphrodisiac I'm not so sure our problem is, is that we're only really eating them when we're stood behind these market stalls 
Yeah, so that's so the we last. Can't really we can't away with it. No, <laughs> you don't want to become amorous behind a market stall, do you? Some of our customers after ten are like, oh, yeah, especially I'm ready to go now. The big blokes like to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, but they like to talk about it. Yeah, but well, whatever. Exactly. So we don't know. We we are yet to know. How many do people eat? Do people just stand oh, around and eat about you. ten? Yeah, I think that's the beauty of them. People who love them absolutely love them. So they're all over it. They come over and they're like, oh my God, I can't believe you're doing oysters. Get me 10. And they'll fire through it and then come back for more. And we have a lot of first time triers who love them and come back all the yeah. time, come to see us at loads of different yeah, markets. Because we're not very intimidating. We're quite bouncy and like, hi. Then they're not like, Oh, we're like, we'll tell you what to do. You don't know what to do. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Because you're buzzing your tits off on yeah, oysters. Well, that's that's why. Yeah. Oh, that is it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. Um, when you do get first-time triers, uh, what are their main reservations? Do they talk to you about it? The texture. Oh, yeah. The texture. Or the taste. If they're going to be sick from them. People have got the misconception that neurovirus and illness and bad oysters, but it's really hard to get a bad oyster. Lou and Hannah from Holy Crab. I cannot big them up enough. Their crab fritters is some of the best food that I've ever eaten, ever. Please take the time to Google them. Holy Crab, they'll be coming to a pop-up near you soon, I'm sure. Now, if oysters are the freshest tasting sea snacks that you can possibly get, then tinned fish has got to be right at the other end of that scale. Nothing too fancy about a tin of pilchards, is there? Well, actually, there is. We are at what could be the beginning of a tinned fish revolution. And leading the way is Imogen Brownlee. She has her own company called the Sardinistas, who are selling it at Altrincham Market. I went to meet her and she talked me through exactly what it's all about. They're gourmet, artisan products, yeah, for all from the seas of Portugal. Each tin, all the fish inside them from sustainable fisheries, tiny family-run businesses. Uh, from Portugal that have been going for centuries and some of them have been repackaged by artists and sort of brought to life and brought into our modern era. Um, If we go into our supermarkets and we go to the tinned fish section, A, it's small and you're going to get tuna, salmon, maybe some pilchard, some mackerel, but there's not going to be a lot there. No. But but in Portugal, there's huge yeah, shops full. Yeah, exactly. It's literally floor to ceiling, and they have you know tons of different types of fish like mussels, trout, sticklebacks, and, ton- and also it's the sauces and the oils and the vegetables and things that they add to the fish, which can in therefore make them meals in themselves. How have you got into this then? Because there's not many people in Great Manchester. There's not many people in the UK selling yeah. tin fish to this extent. Well, I went to Portugal on a trip two years ago to Lisbon and I was just so surprised to see their love for tinned fish. And I know that in you know up north we do eat a lot of tinned fish, but nothing like this. You know, none of the fish that we see in the supermarkets from sustainable fisheries. Uh, they don't have half the you know the variety. And so I just thought it was, there was a gap in the market. So you brought some over, you started selling them, you sell them in Altrincham Market. Yes. How are the people responding to this? They, they just think they're absolutely fantastic. But I think people are up for trying things like this because they, you know, if they, if they buy fresh fish, you know, fresh mackerel, clams, calamari, anything like that, then the fact that they can have it in a tin, which can sit in their cupboard for years and be absolutely fine is probably quite attractive there's almost a stigma attached with tinned food though isn't it people i think 
have yes. a bit of a problem with tinned food. I think it's seen as like a poor man's food, yeah, but yeah. In that, and that's what the sardonese is trying to change. It's trying to elevate that and make it, a, you know, an object of des- of desire. I'm um, okay. So we've been talking about it. Let's uh, let's try it. Can you open this one? Is that okay? Yeah. So this is a beautiful fine. box yeah. here with a. It's hard to explain the pictures, really. It's like almost like a mosaic, but in yes. picture form, isn't it, of a fish? Very multicolored. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, okay, very so, bright. So you've opened that. Can I get a... Okay, so you've opened this tin, and uh, these are sardines, I'm guessing, looking at yeah. these. Sardines and olive oil, exactly. So they're not fillets, so they have all the skins and bones. But because they are slightly cooked before they're, um, before they're canned, the bones are so sort of soft that that's another reason why you get so much calcium from them because you can eat all the bones without, you know, having to pick them out or... So they're very easy to eat. Also, the olive oil is completely organic, extra virgin olive oil. It does just melt in your mouth. Yeah, they do, exactly. And that's the best thing about them. And inside them, they have the actual, you know, the carrots, the vegetables, everything in there which is fantastic so what's the next step then so you're selling this in the market stall and people are coming in they're taking it home and they're eating it but surely there's a market for serving it up somewhere well exactly yeah that's what I'm sort of working towards now so I've got there's a few places already doing it so Cafe Beer Martha doing a great example of it actually just you know serving it with some lovely crusty bread some pickles so almost like a sort of sharing board. Would they serve it with the tin? Yes, yeah, so they serve it in the tin with the box on the side because obviously it looks fantastic like that. And um, and yeah, and that's what I'd like to do is get them in more more bars and restaurants, especially bars actually that don't have a kitchen, don't want to get a chef. This is a very easy way to serve food. So easy. This yeah. uh, this is. Uh, a no-brainer for me. It's, yeah. it's bar food, isn't it? It's yeah, exactly. It's the new tapas. It is. It, it could be the new tapas. Yeah. Tin fish. It's the future, and you heard it here first. So go and see Imogen at Altrincham Market. Talking of markets, wholesale markets start very early, very, very early indeed. Okay, it's uh, ten past three in the morning. It's Monday. Um, I'm off to Smith Sagar, which is at Smithfield Market in Manchester. It's one of the largest fish wholesalers in Manchester. It gets through thirty thousand kilos of fish a week. It delivers to a lot of Greater Manchester restaurants, restaurants all across the northwest. Um, the only problem is it opens at three in the morning. So I've got to get up now. Uh, okay, let's go and see them. Morning, Matt. Welcome to Smith's Sega. Monday morning. Nice to see you. Uh, Monday morning is just a bit of a quiet day for us, really. Beginning of the week. So if you want to have a look round, we'll uh, start down here. It is early. Johnny, isn't it, mate? <laughs> uh, four o'clock's a bit late for us, to be honest, Matt. Oh, my God. We usually start about two o'clock, to be fair. So what uh, goes on at two o'clock? What's the first thing that happens down here? It's about two or three of us coming about quarter to two and we start doing the answer machine. Uh, we get messages on the answer machine, we get faxes, some of the lads get text messages, we even get orders by WhatsApp, would you believe? Do you? Yeah, modern technology. Yeah, it is, yeah, it's the future. <laughs> so we're outside the back now, kind of in the, uh, the... This is like the goods entrance where all the uh, deliveries come to. So at two o'clock we've got trucks out here waiting, we have a, 
deliveries coming in from Europe, which is obviously what's arrived this morning on a Monday morning. So we've got three, four pallets full of fish here. We've got four of your boys taking it all in. What we got? Yeah, we've got a uh, whole sea bass from Turkey. Uh, we've got sea bass fillets. And I'm going to guess, judging by what I see on menus in every restaurant everywhere I go, that sea bass has got to be your top seller. It's, one of the, it's up there, yeah, very popular. Um, we do wild sea bass as well when it's in uh, season. Last week we had some uh, sea bass from uh, Wales, land of no coast. But obviously when we have to, you know, the restaurants need to sell it all year round so they all use uh, farm sea bass. Some use it whole, if not we've got facilities to fillet it in our prep room in there. Can we go and have a look at your prep yeah, room? Yeah, of course you can, yeah. Obviously we often pass our lobster tank to you. Can we have a look? Uh, How many lobsters one, you got in here? Two, three, got four lobster tank. Each one, I mean it's about all together now, this Monday morning we'll have another delivery tomorrow. These must be 30-40 kilo in here. These are Canadian lobsters which we bring in two or three times a week depending on orders. Look in the freezer. Yeah. Can we go in? Yeah. Oh wow. There's basically so we we obviously sell a lot of fresh and uh, seafood fish, but we have a backup. We sell a lot of frozen fish and seafood, everything for the fish and chip shops, which is frozen at sea, cod, haddock. How quickly after it's caught is this sort of stuff frozen? The frozen at sea fish for the fish and chip shops, which yeah. a lot of the fish and chip shops, that's actually frozen on board when they catch it, that's, that fish. I'll tell you what though, my hand feels like it's going <laughs> to drop off. It's cold in there, isn't it? And as you go into the holding fridge. Through here? Yeah. Which again, quite empty today to be fair. We've got ice machine in the corner here, which we sell a lot of ice as well to the fish merchants. You sell ice? Yeah, yeah. And there's what, so four huge, four, great big. Four ton there. So she must have a massive machine coming out the back. Yeah, just coming out now. I've just switched it on now, so time we come, time we leave today, two of these will be full. We switch it back on again tomorrow to fill the other two at the back. We sell it by boxes, so we'll sell boxes of ice. So listen, I, I keep hearing about the fact that there's the the big hitters in the world of fish in restaurants and sales. So you've got salmon, there's cod, there's sea bass. Do you see that people tend to stick to that? Or do you, can you offer anything anyone wants? Yeah, if someone gives us 24 hours notice, we can generally get it anything within a, you know, within a, within reason. You know, if they ask for something like a flying fish or something daft, it might take a couple more days, but uh, yeah, usually, you know, 48 hours we could cover it. Jaddy at Smith Sega, a fascinating place. After I left there, which was about four in the morning, I went straight to work. I start work at 5 a.m. anyway, so I thought I'll go straight there. Forgot to take a change of clothes and just absolutely stank a fish all day. And I, could, I didn't own up to it, but I could just see people sniffing all the way around the office. Now, as you heard then, Smith Sager say they can get you any type of fish, anything you like, as long as they've got 48 hours notice. But I want to give the final word of this podcast to Mark Garner. Mark is a food writer and founder of Manchester Confidential, and he has this tip for getting some great seafood. There's a guy who arrives to call the Anglesey Fishman, I call him, um, in Chinatown every Sunday morning. He arrives at six o'clock. I go there. I can pick up turbot which you can't pick up anywhere else off him because he's selling to the Chinese guys. I can pick up um, native lobster, Canadian lobster. I can pick up um, 
razor clams off him. It's all there in the back. The back of this van is really odd. Great, great. Six o'clock in the morning on Six, Saturday. On Sunday morning. Sunday morning. Sunday morning. And um, all the Chinese restaurants come and just hoover this yeah, this thing up. And that just disappears into the Chinese restaurants. And don't forget, actually, you get a restaurant, a Chinese restaurant over the supermarkets. Is it the Wing Yet? I think it's the Glamorous is the name of the restaurant. Go in there, they've actually got live turbot in the in the uh, tanks. Wow. Which is great. Can you choose? Well, they all look the same to be honest with you. <laughs> That's <laughs> fishist. You're not allowed to say that. Exactly. Well, exactly. Oh, yes. Come on. Fish have got feelings too, you know. Although, actually, according to the Nirvana song, Something in the Way, it's okay to eat fish as they don't have any feelings. Not my words, the words of Kurt Cobain. And he turned out all right, didn't he? So that's it. More fodder coming soon. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.